0: verse 19 and 20 in the pew bibles it's page 1036 page 1036 that's galatians 4 verses 19 and 20 i'll be reading from the new king james version my little children For whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Uh, We have about 100 that are away at a youth retreat this past weekend, and they're still away this morning, and that has been going very, very well. Uh, David Minton was the keynote speaker uh, last night for them, and such good spiritual training has been taking place. And we appreciate each of you that also helped with the trunk retreat last night. A lot of visitors came and were a part of that. And uh, a lot of good and a lot of encouragement was done during that. And we appreciate each of you that were, uh, gave you time and to be a part of that. God blesses us with many opportunities. And let's make sure that we take advantage of all those that we can. There's something so fascinating about a potter working with the clay I would think that most of us have sat and we watched one work at the wheel and to take that clay and to mold it into whatever they see in their mind that they want that clay to become. You're looking at a picture that was from a news article of Stephen Farrell. He's a potter that's been working especially since the 90s, in the 1990s, along with a historical society of Edgefield, South Carolina. The article states this. He replicates and collects pottery made in Edgefield nearly two centuries ago. In a matter of minutes, by caressing it with his fingers, the potter can transform a wet slab of mud into just about anything, from face vessels to buttermilk pitchers. He makes his replicas with two personal stamps. As we think about the beauty and the fascination of an individual seeing in their mind what could be from what is not at the present, and then taking and working and molding that in to exactly what the individual did see into their mind and what they now are? Can you say that that is your relationship with God? That He saw you back when you were a sinner living against Him, but yet He could see what you could become, and you willingly placed yourself as wet mud or clay into the hands of God saying, God, shape me and mold me. We've also just sung the song not only about the potter and the clay, but did you notice right before we, uh, the lesson, we also sung the song of trusting in Jesus? You see, most of us would have to admit that if we've not really turned our life wholly over to the Lord, it's not because we don't think that He can mold us into something. It's probably because we don't trust what He would mold us into. In other words it's easy for us to say, Lord, I love you enough that I'll give you Sunday morning. Lord, I love you enough that I'll give you a Bible class scattered here and there. Lord, I love you enough that whenever it comes to being around Christian people, that I'll act like a Christian. But Lord, I don't trust what you'll turn me into if I really say, here's my life, here's my heart, soul, and mind, I'm yours. You see, many of us would view that as a risk that we've never been comfortable taking because we find our trust in ourself or in our possessions or in what we believe that we can one day become if we continue by our own merit and by our own strength. Paul was dealing with those of Galatia, and they had gotten off center. They had been converted to Jesus Christ. In the conversion here, Paul refers to it as a birth. Notice again as we read here in Galatians, the fourth chapter, look again at verse 19. He calls them my little children, not only because of the mindset that he loved them, but also from this mindset that he saw them born into Christ. And so he's looking at them as children. He says, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again. Now, I just wonder if Paul wrote that, if he gets that same kind of reaction that women give men today when men talk about labor pains. You know, I've never brought up labor pains to a woman before, except she always says, well, you don't know anything about that. Well, us men, we don't. We don't know anything about how painful it is. But it is interesting that here Paul says, I want to tell you something. I went through a lot for you the first time to be born into Christ. And if we read back in the first missionary journey in Acts, the 14th chapter, we see the great persecution that he went through in order to teach those people about Jesus Christ, in order for them to be born the first time. Now, oftentimes when we see someone that's born into Christ and then later on they fall away, we too quickly wash our hands and say, shame on them. They knew the truth and now they're leaving it. Paul's not ready to wash his hands. He's still calling them affectionately, my little children. And he says, I'm going to labor in pain again. In other words, he says, if you think you're going to walk away this easy, it's not going to be that easy. I'm going to go through whatever difficulty, I'm going to go through whatever labor pains that I have to go through again to make sure that you come back to Jesus Christ again. This lesson this morning is not an evangelistic thrust, but I want you to make a note. Do I take it that serious about teaching people about Jesus? And when I see a brother or sister in Christ start falling away, am I willing to go into deep pain in order to help restore them? Sometimes we're not willing to walk through the valley with individuals. And here Paul sets a beautiful example. But now let's think about this. What does he mean when he says Christ formed in you notice he didn't say I hope I can see the day when all of you go to church on Sunday morning I hope I can see the day when all of you read the scriptures no he goes to the very heart of the matter that discusses every aspect of life as he says I'm looking forward to the day when Christ is formed in you in other words when you've been fashioned like Christ Look with me this morning at two or three scriptures that help us to realize the birth process. And then let's take from there and realize that at birth is not the end. How many times have we seen individuals that speak about baptism as if that's the end? Wow, I've arrived. Now I'm the spiritual person God wants me to be. But yet when we look to the Scriptures, we see that baptism is the beginning, it is the birth, and it's then what we will come to be. What are we going to be formed as? Look with me, if you will, to John the third chapter. In John the third chapter, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus at that nighttime visit. And he told him back in verse 3 that he needed to be born again if he's going to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus couldn't understand how a man could go back into his mother's womb the second time. And so in verse 5, Jesus answered, John the third chapter and verse 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God now this birth is one birth that involves two elements if you will it is a birth into Christ that is going to involve water and it's going to involve the spirit and he says unless you have this birth you cannot enter into heaven now of course he had a hard time seeing and understanding this because he was seeing it simply from a physical level instead of a spiritual level Notice as we read down in verse 12, he says, For I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So oftentimes, we're comfortable with religion when it involves the things that we can see. I'm comfortable with attending worship because I can see worship. I can see how it goes. I can see how it unfolds. I can see what is involved. But you want me to give my whole heart, soul, mind, and strength over to God? I don't know how that's going to affect me. I'm not comfortable doing that. Let's just bring it back a little bit, and let's not give it all. My plea to you this morning is let's become that clay that is on the table in the hands of God, and let's give it all to Him. Look with me, if you will, to Galatians, the sixth chapter. Let's see this birth again. Galatians, I'm sorry, Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's look. We see uh, verses three through six, and uh, let's look at that. Yes, the, the chart right there. Notice on the chart there, what we're going to read here is in just a moment in Romans 6. We see and know that Christ died. He didn't stay on the cross. He was buried. He didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he was resurrected. Paul is going to write about what we need to go through in order to be born again. Just as he told Nicodemus, you're going to have to be born again. And so let's read about this, and notice that what we learn in the scriptures that in order to be born into Christ, something has to die. Let's look at Romans the sixth chapter and. Uh, We'll see here on the screen uh, verses 3 through 6, but let's notice uh, verse 6 at this point. Romans the 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, did you notice that? The old man is crucified with him. So when we think about Christ died on the cross and he is buried and he resurrected, we have to take the old person of sin and we have to crucify the old person of sin. Of course, crucify means put to death. And so this is what we usually on the scriptures repentance and so we take and say i want to crucify my life of sin i don't want to live that life any longer i want to be born into something else notice how paul called it back in galatians the fourth chapter verse 19 being uh, christ formed in us in other words this saying i want to be formed into something else i don't want to be a sinner all of my life and so then we say as we read verse three let's notice the burial That's what you do with those that are dead. You bury them. And do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death, therefore we were buried with Him through Christ into death. And so we take that old person that is penitent of their sins, and now they are baptized into Christ. It is in the waters of baptism that the Lord... Forgives us of our sins. We studied just last week, it's in the waters of baptism in Colossians, the second chapter, that a spiritual surgery takes place and the Lord removes the guilt of sin. Now let's notice as we come up out of this water, let's read the rest of verse 4 as he says, Just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. And so we crucify the old man of sin, and we're buried with Christ. There our sins are forgiven. And so when we come up out of the water, we not only now are going to rise to live a new life because we repented, but we're also going to rise to live a new life because we now have been born spiritually. You see, this is why In Galatians, the second chapter, if you'll remember a few weeks ago when we studied together, Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20 speaks of a crucifixion and a life. If you think about it for just a moment, take the the Bible concept out of the picture for just a moment. Usually, when we would talk about crucifixion, we would never talk about life following crucifixion. This is a biblical, a spiritual concept. You know, back in the days where, where men were executed on crosses, you didn't talk about, wow, wasn't life great after the crucifixion? Of course you didn't. But now we see that a theme that runs throughout the Scripture is that we have to crucify in order to live. And so we crucify the old man of sin in order to be buried into Christ so that we can come out of the water to live in Christ. And so that's why in Galatians, the second chapter, think about all that we just covered as we read this now. As Paul says to them in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul talks about being crucified, but then he talks about living. He talks about turning away from sin, but he talks about being born again. But now his life is not by his own hands being shaped and formed. Now he says it's Christ in me that lives. In other words, Christ is being formed in his life. That's why when we read in Colossians, the third chapter, If you look in Colossians the third chapter, verses one through four, many... I guess several months ago time gets by I can't remember several months ago we went through a short series on Colossians and we built the series around the third chapter in verse 4 notice what he said in one he says if you are raised with Christ in other words we've crucified the old man's sin we've buried and now we've been raised with Christ we're seeking those things above look at verse 2 now that we've been raised we're setting our mind on things above not on this earth now notice verse 3 for ye have died in other words we've crucified the old man of sin, and now your life is what? Hidden in Christ. Now notice verse 4. Friends, listen to it for how Paul says it, and it's bold. It's almost shocking, as he says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Christianity has never been designed to be just a religion. Well, yes, I'm religious. I go to church. Yes, I'm religious. I'm involved in some of the practices of the church. Yes, Christians are religious. But Christianity has been designed to be our life. We've put to death the old man of sin. We've been buried with Christ, and now we rise to live a new life. And this life is to be one that the longer we live, the more Christ is formed in us. It's a growing process. When we first come out of that water, we're babes in Christ. We've just been born. But every day of our life, we are to be growing. Every day of our life, we stay on the wheel. And the Master is shaping us into what He wants us to become. Now, as we think about this next part of the sermon, I want you to ask yourself and reflect upon this. Am I closer to being shaped like Christ now? than I was just a few years ago? Am I closer to the shape of Christ now than I was just last year? If you're not, you're not still on the wheel. You're not still in the hands being molded you might have become guilty of what those in Galatia did. They jumped off of the wheel and still practiced religion, and they started picking up other things that they could trust in. And they left their trust in Christ, that Christ alone was enough. And they started believing in the sign that was given to Abraham of circumcision. And they started believing in the law that was given to Moses of these special feast days and these special practices. They left their trust in Christ, and they started placing their trust elsewhere. And this is why Paul is writing to them, saying, I'm going to go into labor pains again for you until Christ is formed in you. In other words, he's saying, leave these things and put your trust back in Christ. Look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, if you will, with me. Galatians, the fifth chapter. And as we now, we're going to consider... Three things that has to change in our life, and that is our mind and body. Let's read verse 24 and 25, Galatians 5. He's just given us the works of the flesh. He's given us the fruit of the Spirit. And now we read in 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So he says, here was back when we were living in the days of the flesh, But he says, now we're no longer living in the days of the flesh. Not only have we stopped doing those things, we've stopped the thoughts, the desires, that process, that thinking process. Now we're living a new life. You see, he's dealing with the mind and the body. Turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, and this is probably one of the best passages that we have in the scriptures that deals with transformation. Now, as you're turning there, I want to remind you of how these passages fit together. We are working from a text this morning in Galatians the fourth chapter and verse 19 where Paul says, I'm going to labor again for you until Christ is formed in you. Now we're about to read a passage and we're going to read verse 2 first, Romans the 12th chapter and verse 2. And we're going to see the word conformed. The word conformed means to be shaped after the pattern of another. In other words, you have a pattern over here and you shape your life like that pattern. But then we're going to read about the word transform, and that means taking and changing the shape that we are. And so here we go, Romans the 12th, chapter and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Now his plea was I want you to have Christ formed in you. But now the problem is here, he's saying, don't be patterned after the world. But be transformed, and this is the same word as be transfigured. You remember when Christ was transfigured? It's a change. We're going to change into something else. Well, what are we going to change into? Notice this. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our mind has to change. That goes back to trust. That goes back to what we dwell upon. That goes back to who we are on the inward person. But when the mind changes, it's also going to change the body. Look back at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Think with me for just a moment about, under the old law, how uh, it was a command, and it was very common for them as they were ready uh, to go to their place of uh, religion, Can you imagine? They all jumped in their chariots and uh, they all closed the doors and and they got halfway there and they started going over the things. Uh, You got your scrolls? Yes. Everybody had their shoes on? Yes. Uh, Does somebody have the lamb? Oh, man, we forgot the sacrifice. Turn around. We've got to go back. Oh, we've got to bring the pigeons. We've got to bring the sacrifice. They would go and they would offer a sacrifice. How many times have we heard people say, I'm so glad on the new covenant we don't have to offer sacrifice? There's probably a lot of people that believe that's true. There could be nothing further from the truth. They would only bring sacrifices occasionally by command. God asked you and I to allow our life to become a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. the transformation not conform to the world but transform the change the change is to have christ formed in us it requires us to think as christ would think it requires us to make our bodies of a service to god and render ourselves to him in everything look if you will second corinthians the third chapter Not only does it require our mind and our body, but it also requires our diet. If you're not familiar with 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, I would encourage you to go this week uh, in your daily studies and be sure you spend a day or two in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And let me give you just a quick setting because we're only going to cover a couple of verses here. When Moses went up to receive the old law, if you remember, he was in the presence of God so long that his face glowed. And so when he came down to bring the old law, he literally scared the people. And so he had to put a veil over his face so that he'd no longer scare the people. But yet now we're living under a new covenant. And this covenant is so much greater. And so what Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians 3 is he's warning, don't go back and pick up that older covenant, even the covenant that had to be veiled. Come to one that's much greater. Not one that was given by Moses, but one that was given by Christ. Let's read verse 14 now Uh, in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. He says, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. You see, under the Old Testament, and by the way, this is a very important reading. There are some religious groups today that would say, well, we still live under the old law. Sure, there's some of the ceremonial things that we don't keep, but we still keep the Ten Commandments, and we still keep these other things. So that's why we worship on the Sabbath, and that's why we have dietary laws, and etc." Here, when he links and speaks of the law of Moses and that which is done away with, he doesn't just say the law of Moses. He refers to the Old Testament as a whole. And that is a powerful revelation for us in the Scriptures to see that the Lord puts it all together under one umbrella of the Old Testament and He says when Christ came, all that has been fulfilled. Notice as we read verse 17 and 18 here. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Remember in Galatians, that's what Paul is trying to get them to do is find the liberty in Christ. Let's read on verse 18. But we all... With unveiled face, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now notice the continual tense here. Are being transformed into the same image from the glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. For a whole chapter here he's been writing about leave the old law behind, leave the law that was delivered by Moses behind, leave the old testament behind. Well, what's our diet? Feed on the Word of God. The longer we feed on the Word of God, what's going to happen? We are going to be transforming ourselves into the image of God. Christ, Christ in us, formed like Christ. Remember that question we asked a while ago? Do you look more like Christ now than what you did a year ago, what you did five years ago? I prayed that God would help me figure out a way to make this point clear and powerful to you. This is so important. If you're not feeding regularly off of the New Testament, you can never expect to becoming more like Christ on a daily basis. We stare at the New Covenant, if, it, if it's, it's a mirror, He says, And we just continually see the glory of Christ as we stare at the New Testament. As we study it and linger in it. As we go through a day thinking, that's what Christ spoke of. That's what Paul went through. That's how God would want me to overcome this. And as my life is continually reflecting in Christ's covenant, I then will find myself looking more like Christ every day. Once I have been born into Christ, if my maturity has been stunned, it's usually because I haven't given my whole mind or I haven't given my whole body or I haven't been feeding myself of the nutrition that would help me reflect God. And the fact is this will reflect the way we see everything. If you have your Bibles open, it's probably going to be on the same page. We'll close 2 Corinthians the fifth chapter. Look at verse 15 and 16. Second Corinthians the fifth chapter. Paul just continually writes about these things and, and he gives us tremendous insight here in fifteen and sixteen. He says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer for them, should live no longer for themselves. You see how all this is going back to how we've crucified the old man of sin, we've been buried, and now we're living not for ourselves, but we're living for Christ? Now notice this. But for him who died for them and rose again, therefore... From now on, in other words, he says, once we step out of those waters of baptism and we have been born into Christ, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Paul says, I don't even have the same vision after I've been baptized into Christ. Before I was baptized into Christ, I was one that saw Christ strictly from a fleshly sense. He's one that needs to be persecuted, him and his followers. Paul says, I was the one that stood and held the coats of the people that had Stephen murdered because I was not looking as one that was shaped by Christ. But now I see people differently. People that are being formed like Christ. They see their children as vessels that need to be molded and trained. People that are formed like Christ see their spouse as someone that needs to be encouraged and built up. People that are molded like Christ see orphans as those that need mothers and fathers. They see people in hospitals as those that need a visit. They see neighbors as those that need to be evangelized. They see enemies as someone that needs to be forgiven and loved. We never see anyone the same. Once we're formed in Christ. And Christ is formed in us. This morning. Is Christ formed in you? Do you really trust Him? He can do more with your life than what you ever can do. And if we truly give ourselves to Him, we'll never regret it you haven't been baptized into Christ for remission mission of sins, or if you have but yet you strayed away, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.